Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you again. Seems like a long time ago. I think last time I was here was actually at the Carol concert in December. So Merry Christmas to you all and a Happy New Year. Um, as some of you would know, uh, my wife and I, we arrived here uh, to London uh, a year and six months ago. It's been a long time actually. Um, and um, we actually came here originally because Meta is uh, doing a PhD and she's actually finalizing it these weeks that we are going through right now. So uh, please pray for her. And pray even more for me. I really need it. <laughs> it's uh, exciting times. Uh, and uh, we look forward very much to have that done. And kind of open a new chapter. And um, I've now been part of the church for, well, as long as we have been here almost. And been on staff since June last year. And totally enjoying it. It's really a privilege to be with you in this city to serve with you and being part of this vision. It's really exciting, isn't it? Just think about what we just saw, the Alpha course starting here and it's going on uh, three other places as well. Um, they just started in Sutton, actually, is this Sunday or this in, a t in two days, I think. And we have 15 people signed up at this new place. Isn't that amazing? Um, and I was just in the South service this morning and they talked about a mother's alpha group that would start in the mornings, uh, providing childcare. So it's just amazing to be part of, of this movement where we are going to the communities, showing the love of Jesus Christ and reaching out to people in this way. I find that to be an amazing privilege. Um, so... Um, we are in this series now focusing on prayer, and uh, Joe kicked us off some weeks ago in a really fantastic way, focusing on our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and that is really the cornerstone of prayer. That's where prayer starts. It's all about relationship. Um, I mean, sometimes I think we can actually get a wrong concept. Certainly, I did in my upbringing and in my youth uh, growing up in a Christian environment, I somehow got it wrong at times, where I almost kind of got it like this, that you have to earn yourself a way into the relationship with God. You have to pray yourself into a relationship with God or you have to read in the Bible and in that way kind of earn your way into that relationship. It's quite the opposite. It's God reaching out to us. It's God inviting us into that relationship and us walking in that, finding a rhythm in that, both in prayer and in our relationship to the Bible that is coming out of that relationship. And it's from that angle that we are going into the subject today, looking at the rhythm of prayer. And I've given it, been given it the subheadline, uh, catching our breath. Because there's something uh, with our breath that actually speaks to us about the very life that God has given us. And uh, one of the ancient prayers are actually connected to our whole way of breathing as human beings. It's called the prayer of breath or Someone has also called it the Jesus Prayer, and it's been prayed for centuries 
by millions of Christians all over the world. Some of you might know it, and some of you would probably not know it. And it simply goes like this. It says, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And it follows your breathing. So when you breathe in, you say, Lord Jesus Christ, and you breathe in, and then you breathe out and say, have mercy on me. You are allowed to exercise if you want to. <laughs> um, and, and the people practicing this form of prayer, they, they've actually done it like this, that they have started to do it like two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, uh, not aloud, but just within themselves saying this, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And it's actually a way of giving thanks and asking for help uh, by breathing. You're giving thanks when you say, Lord Jesus Christ. You're kind of breathing in everything that Jesus uh, is, all that he has given to us, all of his life. And when you breathe out, you breathe out everything in your life where you just know, I need his mercy, I need his help. You, you breathe out the cry for help. So it kind of follows your breathing. breathing. And there is a kind of fundamental rhythm to, to that, a very essential rhythm. Um, I've been practicing this kind of prayer for some years now and uh, when I started it I found it kind of a bit funny to be, to be honest the first time it was presented to me I thought this is, this is not going to work um, so the second time it was presented to me I said well maybe I should give it a try and the third time it was presented to me I said well I will try it out uh, and then I did, and uh, I actually found this is really helpful. So I did it for a week, 10 minutes a day. I was just thinking, following my breath, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And after that week, I actually found that the prayer stayed within me. So during uh, work or uh, normal life, I just found out that, oh, I have this prayer within me, a way of connecting to God in all of the things going on in my life. And today is actually not uh, so much about doing more, finding the correct model for your life. Um, it's not about dealing with any kind of bad conscience that we might have of not praying enough. It's actually more to be reminded that we were created as human beings of prayer that just by breathing, a prayer is actually going on in our lives. Even atheists, even people denying God would somehow have the urge to thank someone for the beauties of life. And even the atheist would say, I need someone to pray to at times in life. It's simply within creation. It's within us. So what we are doing today is actually we are leaning back in what we are actually supposed to and created for as human beings. We are leaning back into our essential identity. So th today is more than anything a reminder of prayer, which is already going on to some degree in our life. But it helps us to become aware. It really helps us to come, become aware. It makes such a difference becoming aware of when I'm living this life, when I'm going through the phases of life, there is a presence of Jesus Christ within me. There's not only my breathing going on, but there's also another one breathing with me. And that's actually the breath of God, the one that I came from originally, the one who actually breathed his own life into us, into his creation. 
a life which is not only a physical life, but it's a mental life, it's a social life, it's everything that we are. It's our essential human being. He, by his breath, he gave us that life. And I'm reminded, by being reminded of him in my life, I'm reminded of where I come from, of who I am. Now, why, why do we need to be reminded? Well, uh, I don't know about you, but I find life to be quite challenging. Most of the time, actually. There are times in my life where I kind of pause and say, oh, this is all great. Could we please stop the watch for a moment and enjoy for a while? But those are actually, to be honest, quite rare moments. Most of the time, I find that life is pretty much full of challenges. I don't know if you feel the same. And I find that in all of those challenges, I need to be reminded of prayer. I need to find a rhythm of breathing, both my physical breathing and even my, my rhythm, my breathing of prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. The kind of challenges that we face, we find a, an interesting example of this in, in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 1, verse 13, we see Jesus in a very special situation where he is actually facing quite severe, a number of severe challenges at the same time. It is said of Jesus here that he was in the desert for 40 days. He was being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. It's quite a special verse, isn't it? A lot of things going on and being described with very few words. And it's a very special situation. Jesus had just been at the Jordan River, being baptized. And the heaven opened above him, and a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. This was kind of God giving the official announcement. Now it all starts. Now it becomes official. Now the vision is clear. This is your Messiah. This is the one that you have longed for. And then the next thing happening is Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. He wasn't only being led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. It says in Luke that he was also led by the Spirit in the desert. And then it's actually said also in the Luke that he came out from the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a transgression going on actually in that story. First at the river, Jesus being obedient to the calling of God. Jesus being obedient to the vision that God has put on his heart. And by being obedient, God replied with the voice from heaven, but also by filling Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And then you have the next level of it, or you have the next phase of it, Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit. And going through the stuff that Jesus was going through somehow enabled him to carry the vision and coming out from the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of us would kind of actually identify with some of these things. We recognize the dream that God has put on our hearts. We certainly recognize it as a church community. We have a dream for this city. We want to see a social, cultural, and spiritual renewal in this city. We have a dream for the people that we meet at our workplace, at our schools, in the streets. We really want to see God do a major change in the life of people. That's what we are about. That's why we are here. 
But many of us would also, also recognize the need to actually experience more of the power of the Holy Spirit to see that these things are actually happening. Is that right? We have this longing within, within us. Or maybe see it. Maybe see it to an even greater than, degree than what we are seeing right now. Sometimes there are phases that we need to go through to actually be able to carry the vision and carry the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out this vision. So what's going on in this desert? Well, it's said here, number, for the, uh, number one, that Jesus was in the desert. And we could interpret this as finding the breath of God in the deserts of life. The fourth century desert fathers who lived big proportions of their lives in the deserts characterized the desert by saying that the desert has a thousand ways of being tedious and predictable. One might wonder why they chose to live in the desert, describing it like this, but that was their description of the desert. Now, most of us, at least some of us, would like some level of predictability in our lives. Is that right? But then again, at the same time, most of us fear it as well. We don't like it when life becomes tedious. We easily become bored and we start dreaming of something better. We start dreaming of a better movie, so we flip the channels. Some of us have done that already today. Um, we start dreaming of a better book with more excitement. We dream of a different life, a different study, a different job, a different spouse, a different girlfriend, a boyfriend, different friends, different. And when we experience that, we start having thoughts about, is this really what life is about? And when we are having these thoughts, we can have emotions of meaninglessness. I lack some meaning in all of this. And when we experience that, we are tempted to escape. Find something that can preoccupy us. Find other circumstances of life. Let's, let me get away from this and find something else. The advice from the Desert Fathers was stay. Very simply, that would be the advice that they would normally give to you if you were in a situation like this. They would say, going through the predictable, the tedious, embracing it, even loving it, taking responsibility for it, is actually what leads us through the desert of tedious and predictable. What they said was that if you stay, you will discover new things about God, about life, about yourself, and about the people that you engage with. It's actually about going to the depth of life instead of living life at the surface of life. Thomas Merton, who used to be a quite famous journalist traveling all over the world, received a calling from God to go into monastery life and dedicate his life to prayer. Quite a drastic change of life, one might say. And um, he was obedient to this calling, and he came out uh, to this uh, very desolate monastery, Trappist monastery, uh, and they showed him uh, the room where he was to stay, presumably for the rest of his life. And they didn't even call it a room, they called it a cell. 
a very small room. And he described it like this. He said, I entered into the four walls of my newly found freedom. Strange, isn't it? He didn't find freedom in traveling all over the world as a well-known journalist. But finding God in this monastery, in this little cell, that was actually where he found freedom. Most often freedom is not found in escape. Most often freedom is found when I stop and pause, when I find my breath, when I'm breathing in my thanks to Jesus for who he is, breathing out my cry for help in the midst of the circumstances where I find myself and experiencing him in the midst of all of that. What happens is that I become aware of his breath, that he is right there with me in the circumstances where I find myself. And you can take any kind of circumstance. If you add the presence of Jesus into the picture, it changes everything. Name any kind of circumstance. If you add Jesus into the picture, it changes everything. And nothing is predictable anymore. And certainly nothing is tedious anymore. A temptation to escape is really only a temptation when I have lost my awareness of the presence of God. Number two, Jesus was being tempted by Satan. And we could interpret that as our essential or existential breath being under attack. It's quite a drastic thing, isn't it? Jesus being tempted by Satan. And it really is an encounter going on between Jesus and Satan in some form. Uh, then again, at the same time, the Bible quite often uses the name of Satan as a reference to everything evil, resisting the will of God and resisting true humanity. So there's a broader concept of this. So for most of us, it would be more like the sense of something destructive going on in our lives. Something unwanted tempting us. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, Andy was explaining this very well. Talking about the temptation of placing ourselves and our desires in the center of our lives. And this could even be our ways of escaping facing life as it really is. Our way of the uh, avoiding dealing with the painful stuff in life. Now these kinds of temptations that we read about is always attacking us on a deeper level. Uh, it's always attacking us on our identity. When Satan tempted Jesus, he started each temptation by saying, if you are the son of God. He was being quite naughty, wasn't he? That's a good British word, isn't it? I really love that word. I couldn't have said that in Danish. I mean, God, has, God had just been saying to, to Jesus at the Jordan River, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And this, this very short time after, Satan comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God. 
This is totally in, in line with the evil resist, resisting true humanity and resisting who God really is, the will of God. One of the Hebrew names given to Satan in the Bible is the name of Belial, which actually means the one who will steal your identity. Basically, for most of us, it would play out as thoughts or emotions like, who do you think you are? Being who you perceive yourself to be, wanting the things you want, thinking like you do, feeling like you do, your life playing out as it does. Who do you think you are? Do you really think you are the son of God? Beneath that, the sense of having been weighed and found wanting. And beneath that, even this sense of being a bad person. What are we tempted to when we experience things like this? Well, I know what I am tempted to. Sometimes I'm tempted to agree with false thoughts about my true identity. And I find when I start agreeing with those thoughts or emotions, I start feeling condemned. And I found, find that when I start feeling condemned, it's easy for me to take the next step and actually give up on myself. On myself. And the feeling of that is actually the feeling of having lost the breath of life. I don't really breathe freely anymore. I'm living my life. I may even smile. I may look okay in the eyes of other people. But within, I'm just carrying a big burden. And I don't really know what to do with it. Well, what do we do when we experience phases of life like this? Well, we respond like Jesus. That's actually what we need to do. Which means that we trust in God and we trust in what God is saying about us. Like we were just singing it in the beginning of this service. You are a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And um, how does it... F and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's a very simple text, but it's really powerful. I'm loved by you. That's who I am. So I'm not signified by what I do. I'm signified by the love of him. That is who I am. And the Bible puts it very clearly. Number one, we are created by him. And when God saw me along with the rest of the creation, he said, it is good. And the Bible says that we are set free, we are redeemed by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross looking at me along with the rest of creation throughout all history, he said, it is complete. Now we are standing firm on that ground. That's where we remain. That is speaking the truth about who we are. We are surrounded by his love. We are surrounded by his acceptance. And we are standing on solid promises that he has given us. 
One of them we read in the Gospel of John saying that to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is where we stand. This is where we catch our breath again. This is how we avoid the attack on our existential breath. And this is how we sustain a positive breath. We breathe in the life of Jesus Christ. He loves me. He accepts me. I am a child of God. And we breathe out our need for his help to remain in that position, no matter what circumstance we are in. Number three. It says in that verse that Jesus was with the wild animals. And we could interpret that as losing or being in danger of losing our breath to fear. Now what signifies a wild animal? I would say that what signifies a wild animal is that it is untamed, that it's out of my control. I once had an encounter with a wild animal and I'm going to show you a picture of this animal. I think it's coming up here. There you go. I tell you, that is an untamed wild animal. I can see the doubt in some of your faces. It really is. I met this animal uh, some years ago. I think it's a gray duck, goose, something like that. And it was having uh, duck children or uh, ducklings or something like that. So it was kind of, well, you know what I mean. So it was kind of in this protective uh, mode or it was on alert. And I came running, totally innocent, feeling good about life, feeling good about ducks and everything. But obviously this duck was afraid that I would attack uh, its ducklings, whatever. So it attacked me. Somehow it had learned that the best defense is attack. So it actually came towards me and attacked me. And I tell you, it became at least three times that size. It was doing like this, and it was hissing at me in a very loud voice, or whatever you would call that kind of thing. And I really got scared. I totally lost my breath, and the adrenaline was pumping in my body. It's years ago, but even today when I'm running and meeting those things, the adrenaline still starts pumping. It's like my body remember that fright that I got at that time. So, yeah. All of us, we know about fear. We have had our encounters with fear. And most of us know how we feel about the uncontrollable things that faces us in life. Sometimes the fear that we have is the fear of something uncontrollable going on right now in our situation of life. Sometimes the fear is about the possibility of something coming at me, something uncontrollable. And sometimes it's simply the fear of the fear going on in our lives. And we do our best to suppress it, but for many of us, these are strong forces just beneath the surface. We all have our stories. We all have our narratives. We all have our memories. And the wild animals are rarely far away from us. So what do we do when we meet a wild animal? On a deeper level, what do we do to avoid losing our breath to fear? 
we actually stand still and wait for someone stronger to come to our rescue. Someone who is in control of the uncontrollable. I'm actually looking for his presence. I'm looking for his help right here where I am in this situation. We retreat to our breath of prayer and thanksgiving. We breathe in Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are stronger. And we breathe out, Lord Jesus, help me. There's a wild animal in my life. There's something uncontrollable going on in my life. And I'm scared. I need your help, Jesus. Number four, Jesus was attended by angels in the desert. And we could interpret this as being restored by the breath of God. I don't know about you, but I find this story quite both fascinating and extraordinary. All of these things going on uh, in the desert. But then at the same time, I find it quite normal. If you feel some of these things going on in your life, or maybe all of them, I have to tell you, you are not a special person. You're quite a normal human being. This is normal human life to experience challenges like this. So join the club. <laughs> this is what we are facing. This is part of human life. And in the midst of all this, there are angels attending Jesus. And I believe that there are angels attending us. And sometimes we need something extraordinary as Jesus obviously did in his walk in the desert. And the story is filled with examples of God doing that. Church story is an amazing story of God restoring even nations and churches in an amazing way. And there are millions of individual stories of people who experience extraordinary things where God is coming with his breath from heaven and in an extraordinary way kind of enables us to breathe again. He simply sets us free. So we rejoin contact with our natural breathing and we rejoin contact with our breathing, our prayers. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. We experience his presence again in our lives. I was reminded of a story, um, and it's kind of, I was surprised that it was this story coming up, but I'm, I'm just telling you this story because that was what, that was the one coming up. Uh, I was, uh, some years ago, I was uh, um, commissioned to write a book about a church that was approaching its 100 years anniversary. And this, that gave me the chance to kind of look at church history for a hundred years, obviously, not only for that church, but for churches in Denmark, where I come from. And that was quite an interesting thing. What was very evident was that the period or the de decade of the 60s was really the worst period of that story. People were really depressed in, uh, among the Christians. I spoke to one of the witnesses and he told me, he said, if one good thing was happening, then five bad things followed immediately after. It, it was stories like that. And if you read the articles from the magazine, it was like, things are really bad and they're probably getting worse. It was, it was, I mean, it was really depressing. 
And it seemed like a thing going on at least all over Denmark and I suspect quite many other places in the world at that time. Then everything changed in the Easter of 1970, Easter Sunday. It was quite an interesting story and of course I was was curious, what was it that happened on that Easter Sunday? When you read the reports after that, it was, oh, God is good. God is great. Miracles are happening everywhere. People are finding faith. People are coming back to the churches. Stories like that. And, and kind of the, the, the date that changed all of this was Easter Sunday, 1970. I hope I have your attention now. What was happening on that Sunday? Well, uh, there was a team from United States coming in, visiting uh, Copenhagen. They were hippies who had been involved in experimenting with sex and drugs and everything that you can think of. And now they had met Jesus Christ and they had totally fallen in love with Jesus. And they wanted to share that testimony with the whole world. So they decided to go to Copenhagen. So they came to Copenhagen and they approached all the church leaders in Copenhagen and asked if they were allowed to come and share the testimony. And the reply from all of the church leaders was, no. None of them said yes to these people. But they didn't give up. So they invited the church leaders to come and find out for themselves what they were about. So they hired a venue in central Copenhagen and said, please come and meet with us and find out for yourself who we are. And some of the church leaders accepted this invitation. One of them was, and I'm sorry about the name, Alfred Lorentzen. Please say that after me. (laughs) Um, A very normal Danish name. And he was the leader of the biggest congregation in Denmark at this time. And um, I was speaking to his wife because he had passed away at, at this point when I was doing the research. And she told me when he, uh, when, he took, uh, when he went from the home to that meeting, he was being very skeptical. But when he came home from the meeting that night, he said to her, Solvay, that was her name, my life is never going to be the same again. Next morning, he stood up in the church congregation and he said, tonight at our evening service, and this was Easter Sunday, I have invited some very special people to come and meet with us. They look funny and they speak funny, but I think this is of God. And when the night came, the room was packed with people. They were very curious to find out what is this about. And I spoke to several of the witnesses who were there on that night. And they said it was like nothing we had ever experienced before. Some of them said it was like heaven came down and visited us. Some of them said it almost felt like physically that the breath of God was breathing upon us. There was such a joy, such a life in the room. We had never seen, we had never experienced anything like that before. And some of them even said it was like going from black and white television to colored television. And I'm sorry to say, I actually have that experience. I know what that that was like. So, I think you do too, David. (laughs) No, no, you're too young. Yeah, yeah, no, of course not. (laughs) Um, so, So, it was a total game changer, a total life changer. Everything changed after that meeting. It was 
breath of heaven, heaven restoring the breath both of churches and individual lives. And I don't know about you, but for me it's like this. I really need the angels. I need the extraordinary stuff from time to time to restore my rhythm of prayer, my rhythm of breathing actually, my experience of really living life, breathing life, experiencing the freedom that the sense of God enabling me to breathe freely, living my life in the midst of everything that I'm surrounded by. How do we respond to the angels representing the help from God? Well, we accept it and we receive it. Now the band, if you will come up. In whatever form it has, however God choose to help us and through whomever he decides to do so, we accept it and we receive it when God meets us in a way like this. Now would you stand and, and pray with me? And the music will start pray, playing and we are going to sing a, a wonderful song in a moment and Johnny will uh, introduce it for us. Uh, but before he's doing that, I just want to share with you uh, an experience I had a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, on my retreat, a yearly retreat uh, that I do in January every year. And uh, I was praying for us as a church community uh, and praying for our situation uh, with everything going on. Uh, for us and I had this sense or, or um, actually saw with my inner eyes a picture of a ship and um, it was uh, not a modern ship it was one of these old ships with a lot of sails and it was kind of a big ship actually and it looked really beautiful it was like everything needed was there uh, but it wasn't really moving very quickly. It, it seemed like this ship is supposed to move at a greater speed than it is right now. That was the sense of the picture. And I experienced it, and I may be totally wrong, but in my experience it was like God saying to me, the ship is great. The ship is good. The vision is clear. <laughs> the vision is very good. What you need now is actually the wind from heaven, the breath from heaven, to actually gain the speed that this ship was designed for. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it, makes sense, it made so much sense to me. So I rejoiced in it, and I agreed with the picture. And when I came home back to the church a couple of weeks ago, it was like, it's really a great ship, and I love to be part of this ship. And at the same time, God, would you blow on us? God, would you send your wind from heaven and blow on, on us again? Would you restore our breath? And preparing for, this, for, for the sermon for today, I had, this, I had this sense of that there would be individuals here today as well, where this picture would actually be appropriate for your life. That maybe you have been looking too much on, on your ship, <laughs> looking for things that are not right, and where God is actually saying to you, the ship is good. It's all well. Instead of looking at the ship, looking for more things to correct and get right, look to heaven and look for the wind 
and let the wind blow on you, let the Holy Spirit blow on you, on you to restore your breath, restore your freedom. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here with us right now in this room. And thank you that you are ready and willing to minister to all of us. I pray for those of us who have not yet found faith in you, but who are seeking to do so. Thank you that this is a moment of life. And for every one of us reaching out to you and in our inner being say yes to you, this is a moment of life being born again within us. You receiving us and us receiving you. You forgiving all the sins of our lives and restoring us to new life. Thank you for that miracle taking place in those of us who have this desire in our lives today. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to meet with those of us who feel that we are trapped in a desert of life. That feel enclosed in the circumstances of our life and who feel attacked by emotions of meaninglessness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to remind us and to reveal to us that Jesus Christ is very much alive and he is very much present in our lives. Thank you that you will breathe on us, Holy Spirit, in a way that we experience again, that we are not alone, that your breath is there right with us. Pray for those of us who feel that fear has, fear has somehow overcome us. Anxiety is in us, anxiety about the things going on in the world, things that seem out of control, things going on in our personal life, things that seem out of control. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and ministering to us right now. Reminding us that Jesus is stronger. That you who are with us and you who are within us is stronger than anything that can come against us and attack us. Lord, thank you for reminding us of that today. I thank you. Lord, for those of us who are just longing to have our inner breath restored, renewed again, Lord, thank you for coming with your wind from heaven and blowing on us. Lord, with the Christian, through centuries, we pray today, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. We welcome you. Lord, we welcome you today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.